Hey guys, this is Phil. Thanks for joining us for the Vision Church Podcast. Hey, this past Sunday, we talked about defining identity. We discovered who we are in Christ. And when we know who we are in Christ, no one can rob us of that identity. So I want to encourage you, man, set your faith in God as you listen and maybe take some notes. Do what God says to do. Write down what he says to write down. And I think you're going to get a lot out of this message. Defining identity. Enjoy. Amen. Now, put your hands on your heart. I want you to say this with me. Say this out loud after me. Heavenly Father, I'm asking you this morning for ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive what you have for me. In Jesus' name. Uh, here's what I felt to do this morning. I'd like you to take your seat this morning because I'm just feeling like I'm supposed to get right into the message. So if that's okay, I'm going to ask you, we're going to go ahead and dismiss the kids. Lori, I know, thank you for flowing. We love you and we appreciate you. The kids are going to have an amazing time. They have a wonderful teacher, a teacher that teaches them the Bible. And we are so thankful for Lori and what she's doing. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you guys. God has just put a word on my heart and it's burning inside of me. Have you ever had that happen to you? I mean, and it just is not something that I can let go of. It's something that, that is real strong in my heart. And so thank you staff. Thank you volunteers for flowing this morning. I want to talk this morning. I, want, I would like to... Uh, I like, I would like for us to discuss identity this morning. There's an identity crisis in our culture, and and mainly it's because people are identifying in different things. And when you don't have your identity in the right place, then it turns into false identity. And so I want to share some things from the Word, because currently there's a lot of confusion in people regarding identity. And the interesting thing is, is that God said in 1 Corinthians 14, 33, that for God is not the author of confusion. So that's not him. So if confusion is coming to a person, it's not coming from God. God didn't bring that to you. He wasn't confused when he created you. He wasn't confused when he ordained how you were going to be formed. All right, thanks for that one. Amen. So the enemy, <laughs> it's going to be a good morning. The enemy likes to bring confusion because especially if the results are uncertainty in your identity. That's why he brings an uncertainty. That's why he brings confusion into it. So identity theft, one thing to realize about identity theft is that you don't realize that it's happening until you've already lost something of value. All right. I'm going to ask you to really dig in here with me because it's going to be good this morning. Dr. McNeely and Jane Blanchard said this in their book, The Teen Years Experience. Listen to what they said. They said, teens are working out who they are by trying new identities and experimenting with different appearances or new interests. Two words stood out to me, trying and experimenting. See, because identity is not a style, it's not a hobby, and it's not a career path. I'm going to show you from the Word. There's two identities in the Word of God. 
I want to read them to you out of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 is where we find these identities. You guys ready? All right, it says this, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So the first identity that we see is a false identity. It's the flesh. It's the flesh. Do you see that? So 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says this. It says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, this comes from the world. This is our sin nature. In fact, it says in Romans chapter 8 that this nature is dictated by the flesh and it produces death in our life. All right, so I want to show you this morning some things that the enemy tries to pin on us as a false identity and some tools that he uses to do that, okay? One of the first ones that he uses is preference. Preference. Have you heard people say, I identify as this is a preference? This is a preference. Jeremiah chapter one. See, here's the deal, is that it pleased God to create you in the form that you were born, So how you, were form, how you were born was the way that he intended you all along. You see, because God does not make mistakes, does he? He doesn't make any mistakes. And it says in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, that he said, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I already had your destiny planned out. I already had giftings, talents, and abilities that I was sowing into you. And what we have is we have people trying to find themselves, trying to find their identity when it's already been planned out. People trying to be unique when God already created you with a fingerprint that nobody else has. Man, you can't be any more unique. unique. Excuse me. You know how you catch a unique rabbit, by the way, don't you? Unique up on them. Okay, anyway, that's bad. All right, but unique. You have already been created unique. It's amazing how many of us live for so long in our life only to find out, hey, if I'd just be myself, I'd be unique because there's nobody else like me. Glory to God. Yeah. Praise God. Romans chapter 9, verse 20 says this. But who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Uh-oh. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, why did you make me like this? Man, I, okay, I want to make a powerful statement. We sh- you should rejoice in God's choice for you. Man, if you were created as a male... Man, you should rejoice in God's choice. Man, be a man. Be excited to be a man. If God created you as a beautiful woman, man, be the beautiful woman who you are. Glory to God. Because doesn't the creator get to define the creation? Mm, man. So, so <laughs> he gave you, he gave us our identity. It's not a secret identity. It's who we really are on the inside. So I will only succeed at being who I was created to be. That's me. I can't, I can't succeed trying to be somebody else. I can learn from other people. I can glean from other people. I can be mentored in my life through other people, but I can't be that other person. 
Okay. So, so no, one, no one knows what's better for us than our creator, amen? So another thing that the enemy tries to use is the spirit of comparison. Spirit of comparison. So this identity of comparison is a result of idolizing someone or comparing yourself to somebody else. So I want to read a scripture out of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. It says, For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. It's not wise to compare yourself with somebody else. Okay, so because this is identity fraud, it's pretending to be somebody you're not. So um, where I grew up in Tulsa, I grew up at Victory Church in Tulsa most of my life. My parents put me in their school in seventh grade and grew up there. And and Pastor Billy Joe Doherty used to say this. I remember this. He said, oftentimes people compare themselves to the richest, the wealthiest, the best looking, the most talented. He said, and really we have the wrong comparison. He said, how about comparing yourself to the person that has nothing? I remember when we were in the Dominican Republic, we were in a very poor area and uh, one of our team members flew in later, so he had not seen this area yet. And so we were walking from where we were doing our outreach down to a bathroom that a company was letting us use. You know, so you, let me just say this about the Dominican. If you ever go uh, to the Dominican, you're going to be there for a while, and you'll have to use the restroom, then take Kleenex with you, okay? There's no paper goods uh, there. But anyway, in most of the bathrooms. But anyway, so we go down, just a little... That was free. Uh, so we're walking down the street, and I'm taking him down to where the restroom is. And as we're walking down the street, he's looking at the conditions of how people are living. And he said, man, could you imagine growing up like this? Could you imagine living in this? And I thought, praise God. He's getting a comparison that helps him be thankful for what he has. And oftentimes, this is why we recommend mission trips going on a mission trip. If you've never been a mission trip, on a mission trip, never been to a very poor area or to a country that's a developing country, it would be good for you because you'll come back going, glory to God. Thank you, God. I have air conditioning. I have electricity. Praise God. All right. So comparison. Comparison. What's another one? Style. What about style? Fashion. Many people find their identity in what they wear, how they dress, what they put on their body. And in fact, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter six. He said, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink or about your body. Don't worry about your body. What you're going to put on is not life more than food and your body more than clothing. Here's what I've discovered about clothes because you can change your appearance. It doesn't change your identity. Why? Because the same person is in the next outfit. You didn't change the person. I saw online that somebody took a Ferrari body and they put a Volkswagen engine in it. Yeah. I thought, man, that's a terrible idea. Because it's a Volkswagen. Doesn't matter if you have a Ferrari shell. You're, okay, you guys get what I'm saying, right? So there was this friend of mine, because let me say it this way. The wrapping paper is how beautiful the package is, but the gift is on the inside. The gift is you. Amen. All right, I wanted to say that. I went to school with this young guy, and, uh, well, we were all young. <laughs> and I went to school with this guy in high school, and 
He was a preppy. You guys remember back in the 80s, preppy, what preppies were? Okay, we wore, we wore the polo shirts and we even wore two on top of each other sometimes, always with the collars up, right? With the boat shoes and everything. Anyway, that was this guy. And so he was preppy all through school. Years later, I ran into him at the mall and he called my name and I didn't even recognize him. Why? He was wearing a 10-gallon hat. He had the ropers on, the Wrangler jeans, and a belt buckle the size of Texas. And I went, wow. I said, dude, your style has changed. He said, yep, yep, I am full on 100% cowboy now. And I thought, wow. But you know, after I talked to him for a while, I discovered the same guy was in there. Didn't change him. All right, you guys get my point, right? Concealed identity. Some people try to conceal their identity in what they wear, how they look, you know? And, and it's, like, it's like a user ID. You know, you can kill, conceal your identity with a user ID. Nobody knows that you, okay. All right, next one. What about a career? What about a career? I, growing up, I really wanted to be a musician. And that was really what I wanted to be. I, I played soccer for years, and I really thought maybe soccer was what I was going to do. And then when I got into the seventh grade, a miracle happened. I went to camp, took my guitar, and I came back knowing how to play the guitar and knowing how to sing these songs. And, and so I really began to pursue that. So that means soccer went out the window, and every weekend, jam sessions. And, and so what happened was the world tells you if you're going to be successful at something, it has to become your life. And so I would even make that statement, music is my life. Well, I married an amazing woman, a very smart woman, uh, Nicole, if she's listening to this, very smart. And, but her mother, and she was smart because my mother-in-law was smart. <laughs> and my mother-in-law, inside of meeting me just in a very short time, she could tell that I had music misaligned in the priority of my life. And so she made a statement to this day that I remember. She said, Phil, music is what you do. It's not who you are. Wow. Your career is what you do. It's not who you are. A politician is what you do. It's not who you are. A teacher is what you do. It's not who you are. Why? Your identity is not in what you do. Your identity is in one of two places. It's either in a false identity that the enemy is trying to use this to, you know, to, to manufacture an identity for you, or we can have our identity, a true identity in Christ. Amen. All right. What about this one? What about status relationships? Most Americans say, this is according to a study by Lifeway Research in 2018, they said that most Americans say that they find their identity in relationships and achievements. Wow. Wow. And, and I began to see that because, you know, when I went to high school, I wasn't the popular kid. I don't know what happened in high school. I got popular later. But, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, you know, captain of the basketball team or whatever. We went to a Christian school, so we didn't have a football team. Um, but, you know, but I, but I see people that were, and I still see them holding on to those high school relationships years later. You know, many times God wants to take us to different relationships that will develop in us what needs to be developed because not every relationship that we have, I'm getting into another message, I'm sorry. I'm, I've got it in my heart to preach a message on spiritual growth 
and the importance of different relationships in our life. Uh, so that's yet to come. But some people will find their identity in this. They'll find their identity in a boyfriend, in a girlfriend. Some people will find their identity in their kids. I've seen married couples because children should be an addition to the family, not the center of the family. Do you know what I mean? So, Because I've seen people that have raised kids, and 20 years later, so their kids move out. The last kid goes to college, and the, the husband and wife look at each other and say, I don't even know you. Why? Because all of their identity was wrapped up in their kids. Uh, what about, what about um, being popular? What about um, achie- the achievements in your life? You have these trophies, and you have this trophy shelf. And yeah, I was a football player. Okay. Great. What about possessions? Possessions can become so important that they become a person's identity. And this causes it to be misplaced identity. Or what about a false identity? I have to be in control. I want to control what's going on. That's a false identity. So let's talk about spirit, a true identity in the spirit realm. Because some people have prayed to receive Christ but they haven't given Jesus their life. So I want to make this statement that there is no life change without a life exchange. We can't make Jesus a part of our life. That's not how salvation works, that we somehow add him on like he's an accessory, a scarf or a belt or something. That's not who God is. Who God is, is he's king. He's Lord. And so when we make him Lord, that means we're following him just like I'm following him this morning. Go ahead and bring in the message because he said, I don't want you to wait. When we surrender our lives, when I came to a place personally where I, where I finally surrendered, surrendered my life to God, that was when I really started living a brand new life. Because we have ideas, but God has the plan. We have thoughts, but God will take you to your destination. Amen? Wow. Okay, so why would we seek to imitate anything or anyone else other than him? So I want to read a couple of scriptures. I'm excited to get to Romans chapter 8 on you. I want to read 2 Corinthians 5.15, though, first real quick. That Jesus died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but they should live for the one who died for them gave his life for them. That's God's plan for us, is that we would, we would live for him. Now, Romans chapter 8, I want to read it to you out of the message translation. Romans 8, verse 15 says, this resurrection life you received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. This is interesting phrasing. Grave-tending life. You know what that means? That means you're going back and you're still visiting the tombstone of your old self where you died. The old man died, so you're visiting the grave. I miss you. We used to hang out together. We used to go do fun things. What? God hasn't called us to tend graves. He's called us to step into the new, this new life. In fact, this coming Sunday, it's gonna be at our house, and we're gonna be doing baptisms. See, that's what baptism is, is baptism is the death of the old man, and it's the taking on of the new. You leave that old man in the water, you bury him, and now you take on Jesus. 
Oh, man. So I want to encourage you, if you were sprinkled as a child and you want to be baptized, you need to let us know because we want to get you on the schedule. Or if, if you've never been baptized and you'd like to be baptized, or if you were baptized before and maybe you didn't fully understand what you were doing and you say, Phil, I, this time I, have, I understand. I get it. In fact, I'm gonna be, we're going to be talking a little bit about it next week. And even if you forget to bring your clothes, you'll still be able to get baptized. We got stuff. I got a robe. No, I'm teasing. We got stuff for you to put on, okay? We're, we're going to take care of you. All right. So let me read the rest of that scripture. This resurrection life that you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? Come on. God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. Who you really are is who God created you to be. Our identity is only in him, true identity. We know that we know who he is and we know who we are, father, child. Wow, wow. So Phil, how do I walk true in true identity? I wanna read it to you out of Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five. And I'm gonna start in verse 16. It says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, sounds like new identity. You are not under the law. And then go to verse 24. It says, those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the spirit, then let us walk in the spirit. So this is why this is so important to know our true identity, to walk in him, to live in him, lay aside that old life. Galatians 3 verse 26 says this, it says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. First John 3 verse 1 says, see what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And that is exactly what we are. You're born again, you receive your new identity. Mm. Wow. And so we need to come back to that, that definition of what identity is, true identity. Son, daughter of God. Mm. The other night, Nicole and I were sitting out. Now that we have a pool, we've never had a pool before. We were sitting by it like we were movie stars sitting out there. And we were talking and... And I noticed that there was this little black bug. And it was, I don't know if it was a beetle. He's kind of long and he got a hard shell. But, but he came running as fast as he could, walked over, and he went down into the pool. Well, then once he's in the pool, now all he's trying to do is get out of the pool. So I thought, well, I'm going to help this little guy out. I'll help him back out. And what does he do? Turns right back around and gets right back in the water. So I had a little video of this guy. Here he is swimming. So you see him. So he's up to the edge here trying to get out of the pool. And I'm trying to understand where I've, I've done this a few times. Well, if he stays in the pool, this is where he winds up. Show the next slide. This is where, oh yeah, there's a frog in there. <laughs> so here he comes. See him come shooting in here. And now he's trapped. But that's what sin does. When we go back and we look at the old life, 
and we hold on, when we don't fully surrender and commit to him, when we just give a portion of our life, that's, that's, that's the enemy's plan is through false identity to suck you back into that trap. That's his plan. So I'm asked Rebecca to come up because I want to share something with you guys that I've never shared with anybody. I just felt it on my heart to share this. And uh, the only one that knows this is Nicole. But I was six years old. I was in the first grade. I was excited about the first grade because we actually got desks. You know, we didn't have them in kindergarten. And uh, so we had, we were, I was sitting at a desk and we're, and we're doing class. And this other little girl who is six years old at one point in the day, and I don't remember what was going on, but she, but she grabbed me by the hand and she pulled me into the dark hallway that takes you to the little bathrooms because we had the littler bathrooms. And I'm in this dark hallway with this girl and I have no idea what she's doing. And the only way I can explain to you what happened was that it would be classified today, and if it would have been done by an adult, as sexual abuse. I mean, she showed me things that I, I was like, what is happening? And I'm six years old. I'm freaking out. And the door swings open, and this little girl knows exactly what to do. She's been there before, and, and now I think about her now, and I'm like, man, what abuse she must have been through to know all this. And so when it was over, of course, I mean, I'm, I'm shaking and I'm sweating. The teacher comes in, what are you guys doing in here? Oh, we're not doing anything. She knew exactly what to do. I go back to my desk and I never told anyone because I'm afraid. I didn't know how to handle it. Well, what happened was in the fifth grade, suddenly I'm trying to figure out why do I like girls and my friends don't. They still think they have cooties. What's, what's going on? Well, in the Song of Solomon, the Shunammite woman gave a charge many times in that book. She said, I charge you not to awaken love before it's time. How many of you know six years old is not the right time to awaken love? And so what it did was the enemy began to put this false identity on me. And I would walk around with this shame of feeling like, man, why am I different? Why do I like girls already and my friends don't? And it pulled me because now this, you know, Satan's plan is to get people early because if he can set the hook, he doesn't even really have to watch the pole. He can just set it in the holder. And what I felt this morning was, I, we, what, what led me the, to this was we had had a conversation with Patrick and Alicia Deacons, my wife and I. And we started talking about identity, and I don't think Alicia realized the powerful statement that she made. But she said, children who have traumatic experiences get robbed of their identity. That was powerful. And I just went... That was me. I got robbed at six of my identity. 
It's all good, Tommy. Yeah. And the, so, you know, trying to navigate that, trying to walk through that and experience that, and, and then back up and have a normal relationship, what it did was it caused a spirit of intimidation and shame to come on me. That I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't know how to have the right kind of relationship because of what I'd experienced. So it, so it tainted my glasses, my perception of what relationships should be. And so all I knew growing up was physical, physical relationship. Well, I mean, you guys know that's a, that's, that, that's a path that takes you to the trap. Why? Because when you go to first, suddenly first, it's no more fun and you got to go to second. So here's why I'm sharing this with you. Because I know I'm not the only one. And I felt like God wanted to minister to some people this morning who maybe you've had some kind of an experience like that. Because here's the cool thing now is that I was set free. I, when I found out who, what my identity truly was and that God forgave me and that this was the enemy trying to create in me a false identity, which was not his to give me. And I found out that I was set free by the blood of the lamb. Do you know what that did? It set me free from the law of sin and death. Oh, I'm so grateful. But I know there's many of you in here that maybe you've been through the same thing. You've had maybe a traumatic experience like I did. Maybe it wasn't the same kind of experience. I'm, I'm thankful it wasn't an adult, <laughs> you know, but I, none of that's good. It doesn't matter if it was an adult or a child. It doesn't matter. It, that's not good because nothing should be able to create in you an identity because many people now today that are trying to say, well, I identify as... If I told you today that I identify as fill in the blank, a woman or whatever it is, then you can rest assured that there was a traumatic experience back here. There was something back here that the enemy trapped me in to bring me to this point. People don't get there overnight. They don't arrive at these places overnight. And so if that's you, I wanna pray for you. Because guess what, if God can set me free, he can set you free. I mean, in my life, that situation led to many bad choices in relationships. But you know what happened? God redeemed me and he brought a wonderful woman into my life, Nicole, who <laughs> I, I, I just go, God, I didn't, I didn't deserve that. I got news for you. God doesn't give you what you deserve. It's the enemy that tries to put that deserve thing on you. Anyway, but God loves you. So if that's you, I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads all around the room. If that's you and you can identify with that, and I'm not gonna ask you to come forward. I don't wanna embarrass anybody, but I do wanna pray for you. If that's you and you wanna raise your hand with me, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand. I wanna pray for you. If that's you, yeah, 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 I can tell. I mean, Satan is such a liar. You can put it down, yeah, yeah. All right, well, here's what I want us to do. Let's all stand together. 
and we're all gonna do this together. Because maybe you're embarrassed, maybe you don't wanna raise your hand, that's okay. I, I'm, not, I'm not here to put you on the spot and pressure you and uh, put some kind of sales technique on you. That's not my heart. But I do want us to do this. I'd like us all to put our hands on our heart. And I'm gonna pray a simple prayer. I'm gonna ask you to pray after me. And let's agree together. Can we pray this out loud? Father God, thank you for your reign. The reign of your mercy that's pouring on me. Right now, I ask you to restore to me my identity. I don't receive the identity that the enemy has tried to put on my life, but I receive your identity. That's who I really am. A son, a daughter of the living God. And Father, I thank you for loving me, for not giving me what I deserve, but spreading out your love on me. Thank you for loving me. I bless your mighty name. Thank you, Father God. Now just begin to thank him right where you are, all around the room. Just thank him and praise the Lord. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.